This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 110 of the Catholic Foodie, St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we're talking St. Joseph and also St. Patrick and Lent. (laughs) We've got uh, quite a bit to talk about today. Uh, We are now in the second week of Lent. I can't believe it. Time is flying already. We are moving on toward Easter, the second week of Lent. And, uh, you know, the first week for us down here in New Orleans did not seem very Lenty. You know, uh, it it was just, uh, well, we had St. Patrick's Day, big St. Patrick's Day parade. We had St. Joseph, big St. Joseph Day parade. Lots of fun down here, so I'm going to tell you all about it right here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm telling you, it was. It, it didn't seem like Lent last week. I'm. Uh, it's unreal. Um, I, if you've listened to last episode, I mentioned to you that, you know, this year with uh, Lent starting so late. I mean, Mardi Gras was very, very late in the year. It was March eighth, I believe, was Mardi Gras Day, a very late start. I think it's actually the latest it can be um, in the calendar. So we had a very, very late start to Lent. And because of that, uh, the first week of Lent butted right up against two really big feast days down here in the New Orleans area, and that is St. Patrick's Day on March 17th, and then St. Joseph just two days later, just two two days later. It's unreal. And, you know, it's funny. It, it is. These are very big feasts in the church overall. I mean, lots of folks across the world celebrate these two feast days. You've got St. Patrick, of course, a great bishop of the church, who uh, is credited with the conversion, with the 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 uh, the evangelization of Ireland, and then of course Saint Joseph, the foster father of Jesus, the spouse of of Mary, who is um, also the patron of the Universal Church. He has so many great titles. My favorite, of course, is Saint Joseph, Terror of Demons, and I'm going to put a link in the show notes to previous episodes in which uh, I discuss Saint Joseph and his different titles. Uh, I think I've got three or four different episodes that, uh, where I've talked about some aspect of St. Joseph. So I'll put those in the show notes for you over at catholicfoodie.com. But, uh, you know, why are these things so big down here in New Orleans? That's a good question. You know, New Orleans is sort of like its own kind of melting pot. It's, it's, it's like a gumbo. Right? Everything kind of comes together and uh, you know, we, we have uh, a lot of Irish, believe it or not, we have a lot of Irish immigrants who came into the states here uh, and settled in New Orleans. Uh, matter of fact, there, there's a neighborhood, there's an area of New Orleans, it's called the Irish Channel, and that's this, this, uh, traditionally, uh, I don't know if there's many Irish that live there now, but <laughs> traditionally, there were a lot of Irish folks there. You had parishes church parishes that were just Irish. We have a lot of Germans, too. You know, it's interesting in New Orleans, there are Catholic churches on just about every street corner. And uh, one of the reasons why there's so many and so close, like in, in, in such close proximity, is because you would have an Irish parish and a German parish and uh, an Italian parish, all relative, really close. I mean, you know, same, basically serving the same geographical neighborhood or area but just the different ethnicities, the different traditions, the different different uh, cultures. So very interesting, really colorful kind of a city, New Orleans, of course. And uh, so you have your your Irish Channel, and you have your Irish ch- uh, parishes, 
and you've got your Germans, and of course you've got the Italians. And you know, the funny thing about that is most Italians in New Orleans, in this, this area, really come from Sicily. So it's uh, more appropriate, I guess, to call them Sicilians. But uh, anyway, we're going to learn more about the big deal that St. Joseph is a little bit later in the show. Matter of fact, i got a special guest today on the show. Very excited. I wish I would have mentioned this up front. I forgot. Uh, and I was amazed as I started to talk. <laughs> I was like, wow. You know, the first week of Lent really blew by, and it did not seem like Lent for some reason because we it was it was sandwiched between two big parade weekends, okay? That's why. <laughs> it's crazy. We just got done with Mardi Gras, and then we had St. Patrick's Day. Char and I, I'm going to tell you more about this in a bit, but we went to a big St. Patrick's Day parade uh, the, the first Sunday of Lent, the first Sunday of Lent. That's crazy. It's just insane to think that way. But anyway, that's what we did. And, uh, you know, then again, of course, St. Joseph can't be outdone. Of course not. He can't. He's the universal, he's the patron of the universal church. He can't be outdone by St. Patrick. So, of course, he has his own parade, which happened just this past weekend. So we'll get into that a little bit more shortly. But first, I want to congratulate our sponsor, Divine Office DivineOffice.org, uh, where you can find all things Liturgy of the Hours. That's right, the Divine Office, the official prayer of the Church, right there at DivineOffice.org. You've got it uh, online on the website. You can listen to it in audio format. Wonderful way to pray. If you have an iPod or an MP3 player of any sort, then you can also take it on the go with you. There is a podcast which can be downloaded from iTunes. There's also an iPhone app and an iPad app. Um, they have a Mac app, an app for your desktop or for your uh, your your uh, Mac laptop, a MacBook Pro, or whatever you may have. Uh, they have all that there. You can find more about it, find out more about it at uh, divineoffice.org. But highly recommended, especially during Lent, if you want to grow in prayer, joining in with others in community, praying the Liturgy of the Hours, the official prayer of the church is an awesome way to grow in prayer. I highly recommend that, so you may want to go check it out. But I want to congratulate them today because DivineOffice.org had the the pleasure, the honor, of winning in four categories in the the recent Reader's Choice Awards over at About.com. You know About.com. About.com has stuff on it, well, about pretty much everything. I mean, just across the board. They have a religion section. They have got a Catholicism section on about.com. And uh, the 2011 Reader's Choice Awards just wrapped up Mardi Gras Day, at the very end of the day. And uh, the winners have now been announced. It's official. DivineOffice.org has won in four categories. Uh, the, The best Catholic website, the best Catholic podcast, the best Catholic iPhone app, and the best Catholic iPad app. So awesome job, folks, over there at divineoffice.org. We're talking Dane Faulkner and his wonderful team of people over there. Congratulations to you. Awesome work. And uh, and thank you very much for sponsoring the Catholic Foodie. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of the can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. 
Well, in addition to all these parades that we've been going to and everything else, we I got to tell you some culinary things that have been going on over here since the beginning of Lent. You know, the end of the Mardi Gras season, beginning of Lent. First thing, first and foremost, one of uh, one of my family's favorite things during Lent um, are pretzels. We love pretzels. And uh, Char came up with a recipe last year. I believe it was last year was the first year. And uh, she makes them from scratch. Uh, I, I end up buying lots of flour during uh, during Lent. Uh, but it's great. These are homemade pretzels that are just out of this world. Yeah, it is a sacrifice, but they're so good. <laughs> you know, they're just so good. They're, they're I don't know, it, it is a sacrifice now. I'm telling you, it is. But they're just so good, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I guess you could say that we just take joy in our sacrifice during Lent, I guess, when it comes to the pretzels. Uh, but it is something that we do just during Lent. We don't really make pretzels the rest of the year. It's kind of like um, king cake, you know, during Mardi Gras, but not the rest of the year. We have pretzels in Lent, but not the rest of the year. My kids in particular, my children, have just been so excited because they 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 love to share things, and they, they're really fearless. You know, when it comes to talking to people, when it comes to being in front of people, you know, they're actors, they're little thespians, they're on the stage, and they do all that stuff, acting stuff, and they just have no fear when it comes to, to talking to folks, and they have no problem talking to them about religion and church and all that kind of stuff, and they go to gym, you know, the girls go to gymnastics, and they were asking, hey, can, you know, can we, can, can you make some pretzels for us to bring to gymnastics to share with our class, and so, of course, we're, we're making, I can't tell you, I mean, we made Char is the main mastermind behind the pretzels, not me. I have helped her. I've I've worked alongside her, but she is the chef when it comes to that, or the baker, I guess you'd say. And uh, we have made, I, I can't tell, I've gone through at least four, five, maybe six bags of flour in the last couple of weeks. And we haven't, haven't even been two weeks, right? We're just now, we're just now starting the second week of Lent. And uh, let's see what happened was... Uh, we she made uh, pretzels for a retreat that Christopher went on, and with all the folks that were there, like sixty people or so that were on this retreat, and she made pretzels for them. She's made pretzels twice for the girls to bring to their uh, gymnastics class, um, and I know she did something else too. There was another event where she made pretzels, but anyway, they're delicious. They're wonderful. Um, and it's good. And if it's the only thing you're eating that day, it really is. I'm telling you, you're not going to believe this, but it really is a sacrifice. If that's all you eat, it's just the pretzel, that's it, nothing else. It's a sacrifice, but it's good, really good stuff. So anyway, pretzels, big time thing for us here in Lent. And of course, I mentioned St. Patrick's Day, uh, the parade, and we went on a parade. And look, I got to I gotta tell you this. I got to tell you this right now. Uh, St. Patrick's Day parade down here, you know, we're known for throwing things from our floats, right, on the parades. And in Mardi Gras, they throw plastic beads. If you're at Zulu on Mardi Gras day, early in the morning, you're gonna, you might catch a coconut that's decorated, you know, a real coconut. Uh, so they're all kind of weird things that we throw from floats. Well, St. Patrick's Day kind of outdoes Mardi Gras because they throw beads, of course. You know, you, you have to throw beads. But they also throw, like, um, cabbage, carrots, garlic, potatoes, lemon, all these veggies, all these things you would think, you know, are kind of somewhat, at least, um, 
Irish, you know, potatoes, of course, and cabbage and whatever. But uh, they throw this stuff in the float. It's insane. It is so much fun. Matter of fact, our kids, we were out there all last Sunday, first Sunday of Lent. We were out on the parade route in Metairie. This is right outside of New Orleans. And uh, this was the longest parade I think I've ever been to. It was insane how long this thing was. The kids, my kids, it's a, it is it is out. This is the first time we've went we've gone to a St. Patrick's Day parade. Okay, it it totally totally eclipsed Mardi Gras for them. They they're insane now about St. Patrick's Day parades. They don't care about Mardi. Well, I say that now, but just wait till next year. But they it was just so much fun. It was very family friendly. Lots of families out there. Uh, just it went on forever. It just went on forever, and they're throwing the beads, and we caught so much stuff, so much more than you would at Mardi Gras, because it just there weren't that many folks out. There weren't as many people on the parade route for this parade as there were typically, as they are typically for Mardi Gras. You know, Mardi Gras, you can't, you can't hardly move, so you got to catch a lot of stuff. People were just throwing all kinds of stuff. The kids had bags and bags of beads, and we came home with a box of produce. I'm not kidding you. We had 64 pieces of produce, all right? <laughs> 64 pieces of produce, 10 heads of cabbage. We came home with 10 heads of cabbage. Can you believe that? That's insane. And I had, I don't know how many potatoes and lemons. I, I love lemons, so we, we use it for all kind of stuff, and I'm very happy that we caught so many. Uh, garlic, I needed some garlic. I didn't have to go to the store that day. I caught it at the parade. It was great. <laughs> it was really cool. You know, I took pictures. I'm going to put pictures up over online, of course, over at catholicfoodie.com on the uh, on the, on the the website. I'll also, I think I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to go ahead and put a few pics over on the Facebook page too, catholicfoodie.com, I'm sorry, facebook.com slash catholicfoodie, and uh, you can check out all the produce we caught at the parade. A lot of fun, and it was it just this, this feast, this uh, parade at least, kind of butted right up against Grace, my youngest child, Grace, her birthday. She turned nine on the 14th. That was Monday, and the parade was on the 13th. And uh, so she loves pork, okay? It's my child. My child, I mean, we I've got foodie children, okay? They eat weird things like sushi, and, and, um, and some folks, believe it or not, actually think that's weird. And they eat all kind of stuff. It's just unreal what they eat. Christopher over Mardi Gras ate a pig eye and pig brains, all right? It's just crazy. But my kids are kind of fearless when it comes to food, too. And Grace loves pork. She just loves bacon and ham and all that kind of stuff. So we went with Big D. Big D was with us. He's, he, he got us a, a, a spot out there on the parade route. We had a great park in place, all because of Big D. So thank God for him. And uh, we went with Big D to uh, a, a restaurant in New Orleans called Squeal. And this restaurant's not far from the river. It's it's right down there at the end of Carrollton Avenue, kind of where uh, River Road is, where it meets. It's just right around that area. And neat, neat area to begin with. But this restaurant, Squeal, of course, is all about pork. And a big pit just going right there in the front when you walk in. You smell this, uh, the, 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 the pit, just the, oh, my goodness, just, oh, just meat on a grill, okay? Good stuff. It was incredible. It really was. I, I can't go into all the different stuff we, we ordered. We ordered different things and we tried it. We shared across the table and all that, but incredible. Had these like little boudin balls. And if you don't know what boudin is, well, I'll have to put a link 
or something over at catholicfoodie.com. Boudin's incredible stuff. It's good stuff. Um, just amazing. I, I Just go to catholicfoodie.com. I'm telling you that now. Just go over there, and you're going to see the pictures, and you can get more information. Go look for the show notes for this post, okay? This is episode, or, or yeah, episode 110 of the Catholic Foodie, catholicfoodie.com, and you'll find all that information over there. Good, good stuff. Lots of pictures, too, okay? I'm going to get that put up for you. Uh, it was amazing. So we had a great time over at the parade. We got to go eat. And then on top of that, see, that was just on Sunday. You know, St. Patrick's wasn't until the 17th, and that's that went until Thursday. So what are you supposed to do is Lent? But you, you, you celebrate, at least down here, St. Patrick's Day for, what, four or five days? You know? So St. Patrick's Day, what did we do? We actually made corned beef, all right? We did this from scratch at home. And uh, Char had made this marinade. She got this recipe from somewhere. I can't remember where right now. She got this recipe, made this marinade, which had a lot of celery in it that was uh, juice. We juiced the celery, right? So we had the celery juice. Had a lot of that in there and a bunch of other stuff. I'll have to get that recipe or something and post that on in the show notes too, since I have no idea what I'm talking about right now. But anyway, uh, and we took this uh, this this uh, the beef. We had a, a, let's see, we had a brisket. And we also had some uh, round steak like the whole round steak, and we had rolled it up. We would seasoned it really well, and we rolled it up and tied it up real good and put it in this dish in this uh, marinade and kind of submerged it and put a plate on top to hold it down and then put the lid on top of the dish, and we stuck it in the fridge for five days and let it cook in the fridge, let it marinate, you know. So technically, we should not have had to add any heat to it to cook it at the end, but uh, we felt personally more comfortable doing that, so we did. Uh, we did kind of heat that up and then cook it with a few other things in a pot. Uh, not too much, just a little bit. But man, you talk about good stuff, and also the cabbage. Boy, she did some cabbage. Uh, incredible. So recipes again online, Facebook. I'm not Facebook. I'll do that. I'll put it on Facebook too. But CatholicFoodie.com. And also Facebook.com slash Catholic Foodie. All right, I'm going to get this straight somehow at some point. So we had a bunch of celebrating right there, right? You got the St. Patrick's Day Parade. You got St. Patrick's Day, you know, it's feast day on the 17th. Of course, Fridays, Friday and Lent. So we fast, right? We are, or at least we abstain and uh, make sacrifice and pray and a lot of good stuff. And then on Saturday, Christopher and Char went on retreat. It was Christopher had a special retreat for his age group, you know. And Char went there to help out, and uh, I had the girls with me. And, of course, this is this was really St. Joseph's feast day. This was the 19th. St. Joseph, who is the patron of the Universal Church, the terror of demons, the pillar of family life, right? This is St. Joseph. This is, man, he's a big-time guy, you know? And um, St. Joseph, at least down in these parts, he can't be outdone by St. Patrick. So he has his own parades, and they take place down here, and there were big St. Joseph Day parades, but we didn't go to them this year, just just couldn't do that. But in addition to the parades, he also has something that St. Patrick doesn't have. St. Joseph has something called St. Joseph Altars, and this is a big deal down here, and in order to kind of learn more about St. Joseph Altars, I've got two things for you today, because this is big stuff, Okay at least in these parts. And uh, one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from a, a little section 
from a book that is sort of like a history, I guess a history sort of thing of Catholicism down here in the South Louisiana area, specifically in New Orleans. And also, we're going to have a guest on the show. I'm talking about Evan Duplanchet. Uh, she is originally from New Orleans, and she is now living outside of New Orleans. See, there's only two places, I guess, down here. New Orleans and then outside of New Orleans. She's living up north somewhere, you know, where it's cold most of the year. And uh, anyway, she's going to be on the show, and, and, and she's going to share with us what this St. Joseph altar thing is all about. She's, been, she's got a great devotion to St. Joseph. Of course, down here in this area, when she lived down here, she went to the St. Joseph altar. She knew all about it, and uh, she kind of carries that tradition on now that she's an expatriate, okay? So uh, we're going to have her on the show. I'm very excited about that. But first, I want to, uh, to read this section or a little section here from a book. Reaching over here for it. It's called The Joy of Yat Catholicism, right? Yat, Y apostrophe A-T. The Joy of Yat Catholicism by Earl J. Higgins. Now, what is Yat Catholicism? Well, you know, down here, we have an expression. Uh, when you see somebody that you know, uh, or somebody you don't know, you may, you know, you may say, hey, you know, hey, where you at? Where you at? Where you at? That's a, an expression, you know, where are you at? Where are you at? Where you at? And it's kind of like saying, how are you? What's up? What's going on? Where you at? Hey, where you at? What's up? So um, the joy of yat Catholicism is kind of, uh, it, it's sort of a spoofy book in a way. It's, it's kind of poking fun at this cultural Catholicism down here in South Louisiana, especially New Orleans, and this yat kind of culture, right? Where yat kind of culture. And uh, very funny book, very interesting book. Um, it, 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 you can kind of laugh at yourself when you read this because you see some of the cultural aspects of your faith when, when a religion like Catholicism is so deeply rooted in an area, in a culture. And uh, I want to share this part of the book with you because it's all about St. Joseph's Day. And the way we celebrate St. Joseph's Day down here, I think, is really unique when you compare it to other places in the world and in the, well, in the country, but also in the world. This is what Earl J. Higgins has to say about St. Joseph's Day. There's no point in attempting a return to Lent yet. You know, St. Patrick's Day has followed on March 19th by St. Joseph's Day, another important celebration in Yat Catholicism. Just as St. Patrick is associated with the Irish, the pseudo-Irish, and the Irish wannabes in New Orleans, St. <laughs> Joseph is identified with all things Italian. The Italy-St. Joseph connection is rather attenuated, however. The ancestors of the vast majority of New Orleanians who identify themselves as being of Italian heritage immigrated from the island of Sicily, not the Italian mainland. The ethnic history of Sicily is quite mixed. For example, almost the entire village of Contessa Antalina near the city of Palermo immigrated to New Orleans in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. The descendants of these immigrants consider themselves Italian, and in New Orleans, that's close enough. In historical fact, the people who came to New Orleans from Contessa Antalina were of Albanian heritage having come to Sicily in the mid-15th century, probably to escape the Ottoman Turks, who had overrun that part of the world. Other Italian-Americans descend from Sicilian ancestors who were Greek, Arabic, Albanian, or a combination. Nevertheless, they embrace the identity of being Italian, especially on St. Joseph's Day. 
Just as non-Irish yats enthusiastically celebrate St. Patrick's Day, St. Joseph's Day festivities are embraced by yats with names like Gomez, Washington, McNamara, not just those named Shiro, Sintani, and Maniscalco. <laughs> in case anyone forgot, St. Joseph is the man identified in the New Testament as the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Joseph was not Jesus' biological father because Mary conceived Jesus when she was a virgin by the power of God before she married Joseph. Joseph had to have been a very holy man to accept the story that his betrothed had become impregnated miraculously after a visit from an angel. Despite Mary's pregnancy, Joseph married her and went on to be Jesus' adopted father. St. Joseph's Day is of particular importance to Sicilian Americans more so than to mainland Italians. The best known of the stories connecting St. Joseph with Sicily is that the saint delivered one or more villages in Sicily from pestilence and famine. In response to the prayers during the famine, fava beans grew and provided the Sicilians with sufficient nourishment to stave off starvation. The celebration of St. Joseph's Day began as a means of giving thanks to the saint for saving the Sicilians. The fava bean remains an important part of the observance. The focal point of St. Joseph's Day is the public display of food known as a St. Joseph's Altar. For days, if not weeks before St. Joseph's Day, New Orleanians of Sicilian heritage and others who honor the saint and the, traditional, and the tradition prepare ritual foods to be placed on the altars. The altar is a food offering to St. Joseph or some favor granted, often healing from sickness. Devotion to St. Joseph is in, a, is in the form of a barter. Devotion to St. Joseph is in the form of a barter. If the favor sought is granted, the prayerful petitioner makes an altar to St. Joseph. This practice was, until recent years, very personal, with the altars erected in private homes. The altar was built in the, for in the front room or the garage. Three levels make up an altar to honor the Holy Trinity. There are many dishes placed on the altar uh, of vegetables, fruit, and cheeses, but no meat. Because St. Joseph's Day is usually in the middle of Lent, the tradition requires that the altar be meatless. There's always at least one stuffed artichoke and pastries stuffed with filling made from dried figs, sort of like a fig newton, but much tastier. Loaves of Italian bread called cucidati, baked in the shape of crosses, rosaries, and other devotional images are placed on the altar. There's usually a cake with the image of St. Joseph on it as well, and most altars have a statue of the saint and a large red vigil candle. When the altar is offered in a private home, the person who made the pledge to St. Joseph enlists the help of relatives, neighbors, and friends to prepare the food for the altar. The promise to St. Joseph includes a public acknowledgement, and the grateful petitioner places a classified advertisement in the Times-Picayune, it's a local newspaper, announcing that the altar is available for public viewing the night before St. Joseph's Day and on the feast day itself. When visitors arrive at the altar, they are given a piece of blessed bread and a dried fava bean, known as a lucky bean, a souvenir of the saints uh, having saved the starving Sicilians from death. The visitor will be told the basis of the promise, like Uncle A.J. was having real bad gout, so bad he couldn't walk, so Marie and them prayed to St. Joseph, and he walks just fine now. The gout's all gone. <laughs> Before any distribution of bread and beans, the altar must be blessed, and so priests 
preferably those with last names ending in long vowels, go from home altar to home altar, sprinkling holy water on the food and the people, and usually accepting a small glass of Italian red wine. In recent years, the tradition of honoring and thanking St. Joseph with a home altar has shifted to the erection of huge altars in public places. There's one for the public at St. Joseph Church on Tulane Avenue, the largest church in New Orleans. The most popular altar is erected in the Piazza d'Italia, a pocket park in the central business district district that is the site of a huge fountain dedicated to St. Joseph. And next to the piazza is the American-Italian Renaissance Museum and Library. Inside the museum is erected what has to be the world's largest St. Joseph altar. It wraps around a couple of rooms and out into a foyer. The amount of food on, the one, on that one altar looks as though it alone could save a whole city in Sicily from starvation. While the public files to the altar with each visitor receiving a bag containing a piece of blessed bread, a holy picture of St. Joseph, and a lucky fava bean, there's a food line outside in the piazza serving spaghetti and, uh, and sauce. An open-air mass in honor of St. Joseph is offered in the middle of the day, and a band from a veterans organization provides entertainment. The generosity, warmth, and openness of New Orleanians of Italian heritage is inspiring, and at considerable expense of money, time, and energy, they open their world to the public for free. This display is a worthy and fitting homage to Jesus' adopted father. Altars and food are not the only way to celebrate St. Joseph's Day. The setting is, after all, New Orleans. Mardi Gras just passed. St. Patrick's Day was just two days before. St. Joseph needs a parade, too, sometimes more than one. (laughs) Although the parades honoring St. Joseph are not as large as Mardi Gras Parade or St. Patrick's Day parades, they are lively marching parades through the French Quarter. Perhaps the most exotic tradition in honoring St. Joseph is the appearance of the Mardi Gras Indians, beginning in the late 19th century when traveling Wild West shows visited New Orleans, groups of black working-class men got the idea to dress as American Indians, form tribes, and march through the streets on Mardi Gras in their costumes. Now, the costumes are elaborate and expensive to make, and showing them on just one day seems to be a waste of effort. So the Mardi Gras Indians saw that the, Ind- that the Italians were cavorting and partying during Lent on St. Joseph's Day, and they decided to join in the celebrations by making an appearance in the streets on St. Joseph's Eve the night before and on St. Joseph's Day. In recent years, as the tribes became more numerous and the costumes more elaborate, the Indians decided to hold a parade of all tribes on the Sunday before St. Joseph's Day, referred to as Super Sunday. Super Sunday is usually the Sunday before St. Patrick's Day, too, and the city is in a party mood. The range and the flexibility of Catholicism are demonstrated in this event. A pious Galilean carpenter of 2,000 years ago is honored by a group of black American men dressed in stylish and stylized garb of North American Indians in a noisy parade through the streets. <laughs> St. Joseph probably looks down in approval from his celestial reviewing stand and salutes the marchers with a hearty, Well, all right! (laughs) So that is from The Joy of Yat Catholicism by Earl J. Higgins. If you are interested in picking up a copy of this book, I will have a link in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. 
Very cool. Well, in just a couple of minutes, uh, Evan Duplanche is going to join us on the show today. I'm very excited about that. I was fortunate enough to have her on the show or to actually get her on the phone, rather, uh, the other night. It was St. Patrick's Day, believe it or not. And uh, we talked about St. Joseph and St. Joseph altars. Evan is from New Orleans originally, so she knows all about this whole St. Joseph tradition. I'm very happy to have her on the show, and we're going to crank that interview up in just a moment right after this. You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. Well, folks, I am very excited today. Of course, I'm, I, I think I'm excited every day. But uh, it, today's a special day. Uh, not only is it uh, St. Patrick's Day, and I'm, I'm sure you're probably drinking your green beer and all that fun stuff, which is great and all. That's the Irish thing. But we're going to kind of turn a little bit here to the Italian side, and we're going to talk about a big feast day, which is coming up in just two days. That is, I'm talking huge feast day now. We're talking St. Joseph, right? St. Joseph, who is like the patron of the universal church, right? This is, you talking about the man. This is St. Joseph, all right? The foster father of Jesus. Big, big, big deal. And for this special occasion, I wanted to call in the big guns. And I have done that. And today we are honored to have Evan Duplanchet on the show with us. Evan, welcome. Well, thank you, Jeff. Um, it's very nice to be here, and I'm I'm really excited to be called the big guns here. <laughs> um, you know, I I don't consider myself an expert on St. Joseph or St. Joseph altars, but, you know, I knew the basics, and I thought I, there were a lot of people as I moved around. I'm originally from New Orleans. Um, moved to other places, I realized people don't know about these traditions connected with St. Joseph, and one of them is the St. Joseph altar. So... I decided to put a virtual St. Joseph altar online. Um, people can visit. They can make offerings. They can request prayers for deceased loved ones. They can make general prayer requests. And and then, you know, I started this in about 1999, and it's grown. It has history. It has recipes. It's grown into a pretty big website. That's amazing. And, you know, it's it's really it's funny because you mentioned this. You're You're from New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're where? I'm in St. Louis now. You're in St. Louis. So yeah, how long have you been out of New Orleans? Um, we left. We went back. <laughs> Most recently, uh, about 16 years. Oh, I've wow. Wow. Out of New Orleans. So, and we miss it, but we brought all our... We bring our music and our food with us. So, well, that, that I think that's how stuff. it is. Yeah, I think that's how it is with us Louisiana folk. We tend to do that. We we right. we're like missionaries, you know. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, wow, that's fantastic. And of course, uh, you knew growing up here all about Saint Joseph altars and what they are, and you know about. A, I think it was a last year. I think it was a year ago. Uh, I did a show on Saint Joseph and Saint Joseph altars, and I actually went to a couple. And uh, took some, I guess, I don't know, audio clips or sound scene tours or whatever you want to call them 
and I talked to the folks who were involved with putting the St. Joseph altar together, but you know, not everybody has really heard that. So for the for the benefit of uh, the folks who have no idea what a St. Joseph's altar is all about, uh, could you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Um, it, it, the, the history is that there was a, a famine in Italy, and St. Joseph is the patron of Sicily, and this, this is all in Sicily. It's Sicilian in origin. Uh, they prayed to St. Joseph for the famine to end, and it did. And in gratitude for St. Joseph, you know, bringing them out of this famine, they took all the food they harvest and made a beautiful table, and it was all to pay homage to St. Joseph. Uh, they distributed the food to those who didn't have a lot of food, so it was a, a sharing with the less fortunate. Um, so that's that's where it originates. Um, when you go to a St. Joseph altar, it'll be set up in three levels, three tiers, and that's the Holy Trinity. St. Joseph is on the top. You, you know, they're, they're lavish, they're beautiful. You can't, you know, you can look at pictures of them, but the best thing is if you could really go to one, like you did. They're amazing, aren't they? Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah. A lot of work goes into it, like weeks of work, lots of people, um, all, all kinds of symbolic things on the altar. Um, they make things out of bread in the shape of uh, St. Joseph's staff or palms. They make crosses. Uh, it's it's amazing. I, I've seen things that it looked like a sculpture, and it was food. <laughs> it was just, you know, I don't know. I can't do that, but I've seen them. <laughs> I've seen them, yeah. They're beautiful. Well, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, and that, that's such an amazing thing, too, because you, you, you said it, it really is something that's very Catholic. And I don't mean that just in, the, just in reference to the fact that it's about St. Joseph or that it's a, you know, it's a Catholic saint or a Catholic um, a feast day or, or whatever, but it's Catholic through and through. I mean, you've got this symbolism, you've got this, this right. real understanding of... Um, the, I guess the Catholic view, the sacramental view of creation, right. because you're celebrating God, you're celebrating grace, you're celebrating the fact that you know uh, um, uh, people were saved from a famine through the intercession of a saint, of another human being. Right. You know, I mean, there's so many aspects to this that are just so beautiful from a Catholic perspective. I just it blows me away, and of course yeah, you mentioned it takes it's amazing. it takes like weeks to get ready for this, and um, I mean you've got what I mean you've got like all these different cookies that you make, and what 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 they, all is uh, involved? What's well, they uh, you know everything's Italian. <laughs> they make <laughs> Italian breadsticks. They make Italian bread. They oh, make a meat toast. Um, the singes—that's the the traditional. Uh, Dessert, you'll find those. They make beautiful cakes. They make the um, the fig pastries, mm-hmm. which really you, you don't eat. Those, I found, are just decorative. They make beautiful sculpture-type things out of these big things. It's just amazing. Mm. Um, but everything is really symbolic. You'll find St. Um, Joseph's sawdust in the form of breadcrumbs. Right, right. The, um, there'll be no meat on the St. Joseph altar. You mm-hmm. won't see any meat. And two reasons, probably because it didn't land. And then the other reason is that the um, Sicilians weren't a, a, a rich folk and probably didn't eat a lot of meat. So and they were probably into fish where they were. 
uh, you'll see a lot of fish and shrimp and crawfish. And that depends on where your altar is. The ones in New Orleans are uh, full of seafood. Fried catfish, fried shrimp. Right. <laughs> Big crabs. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> Well, you know, it's um, th- there's a, a few things that kind of stand out to me food-wise when I'm uh, at a St. Joseph altar. And, of course, you've got um, uh, the accuchadada. I think that's like the only the only real word I know um, as far as the, the food names go. That's the, the some of the cookies, certain cookies, right? right? And uh, also there was a marinara that was made, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's a, it's a fish-based marinara sauce. So oh, again, go ahead. Yeah, uh, those, I'm not familiar with that, but I mean anything like that, anything Italian, you'll find right, it on right. altar. <laughs> anything Italian, but it, no meat, no meat. But you've got the you've got this uh, this marinara once again. But it's it's this fish based sauce, which is really really good. I, I was uh, uh, first time I'd ever had it was about a year ago, and it was delicious. Mm. Um, don't forget the artichokes. You'll see lots oh, the, of artichokes. Oh. Yes, yeah. <laughs> which is sort of like a, a staple of uh, New Orleans cuisine anyway, huh? Stuffed yeah. artichokes, huh? Seafood yeah. stuffed artichokes. Oh, my goodness. Crazy. That's good stuff. <laughs> yep, it is. I'm getting hungry. Now, the, the thing with the, the altars is I, f- I find that a lot of people that I've talked to who have done altars themselves or, and I know, I mean, there's, there's a few families I know who do this every year, and they do it for a reason. Um, right. What do you know? Is there like a tradition with that? How how does that work? Well, it's I don't know that it has to be the same reason every year, but I've read stories that once people start, they don't stop. They keep doing it, <laughs> you know, and they just feel like oh, I did it last year. I got to do it again because he's expecting it. He's expecting um, <laughs> it, right? Right. And the other thing is, I mean, people see pictures of these altars and they go to see them and they think, oh, I can never do that. That's just that's too much. It doesn't have to be like that. You can do something really simple. Like the first time we did an altar in our home for our family, it was we had a cake, we had a statue, and my kids did some coloring pages, and that was it. Mm. And so we've been doing it ever since, and it's grown a little bit every year. And depending on everybody's schedule, it might be bigger one year than another, but we always do something. That, that's so I think that beautiful. once you once you tell St. Joseph you're going to do it. <laughs> You don't stop. <laughs> you kind of you kind of get stuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know uh, some families who've done this out of gratitude and Thanksgiving, I should say, and Thanksgiving for favors granted. And right. it, it was it kind of goes back to a story where it's very similar, I think, to the origins of the altars uh, with the famine in Sicily, right. and uh, Saint Joseph intervening and and uh, getting rid of the, the famine. Um, and in Thanksgiving, they they started this tradition, these St. Joseph altars. And I know, I know families who have done the same thing. They had a, a particular intention. They went to St. Joseph for intercession, uh, and the favor was granted. And they, you know, in Thanksgiving, they said, well, we are going to do this every year. Right. And, you know, it's been, you know, 15 I, years, and they're still doing it. It's great. They're still it's awesome. doing it. I've heard stories <laughs> of people praying for you know, a healing of a family member or, or something like that. And, yeah, they don't, they don't dare stop. They're going to keep going. <laughs> Once their favor has been granted, they're going to keep. They're going to keep doing it. They're going to keep doing. It. Yep. And it's it's a beautiful thing. Is it? It's very family. I find it very family oriented, but also just I, I guess in the very nature of what it is, it's it's kind of 
is, is you look at the family of God, the the the, the saints right. are still with us. It's the uh, the church triumphant, right? The church in heaven. That's our our. We're all related. We're all together. We're all in this together. So it's yep. it's, it's God. It's just for me. It's a cultural thing, right? It, it definitely is a cultural thing. You have lots of folks who go to St. Joseph altars who couldn't couldn't care less about St. Joseph, but they go because it's just a cultural thing to it's do. It's a thing to do. <laughs> right, right, which, you know, you have, I mean, at least in this part of the country, in this part of the world, in New Orleans, you have that happen a lot. I mean, you, you think back to all the folks who showed up on Ash Wednesday, right, and then— Right. Disappeared as soon as they got their ashes. I mean, you have yeah. lots. We have Maybe lots of <laughs> right. You have lots of cultural things with the faith in this area of the country for sure. Uh, but there's something about Saint Joseph. There's something about this particular kind of tradition. I think that just screams Catholicism from the from the from the depths. Not not in a in a lived sort of way. Not. From a theological perspective or whatever, although it's that's there if you think about it, but from yes. a lived sort of experiential way, it just sort of screams Catholicism. This we are the family of God, you know. And he's a, he's a quiet guy. I mean, we don't know too much about him. You know, there's not a whole lot written down um, about Saint Joseph, so you could just kind of piece it all together. But um, I, I think it's a beautiful tradition. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad to see it continuing, and I think it's actually growing because people are, you know, doing it in different places now. And, of course, with those people from New Orleans spread out all over the country, Thanks to <clears> Katrina. they take these traditions with them, <laughs> you know, and they catch on. That's right. That's right. So. Yeah. I know lots of folks out there now all over the, the country because of Katrina. Right. But... Uh, you know, and, and St. Joseph is so busy. I mean, we have him selling our real estate for us. We have him, you know, he's doing all kind of stuff. <laughs> Don't bury him upside down, though. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I was thinking about this earlier. I was thinking about the call that we were going to have and our conversation. And, uh, you know, I love St. Teresa of Avila. She, well, she's she's incredible. And you know, I, I lived in Mexico for a few years. I learned Spanish. I studied Spanish in college. It was my major, uh, Spanish and theology. And uh, I got to read some of her works in Spanish, and she had such a devotion to St. Joseph. I mean, she was probably his number one advocate, you know? Like, you got to pray to St. Joseph because he just—he never fails. <laughs> right. And, and, it, and they think that that's where that whole uh, bury the statue tradition comes from. Right, Be- right. Because, you know, with her nuns, they were looking for— um, I think they were looking for a new piece of land to build something on, and they were they they had to move and they had a statue and they didn't know what to do with it, so they buried the statue. I think they buried it on the land that they wanted, and then they had to go and you know try to get the land from whoever owned it. And when they did, they they you know dug him back up. But you know <laughs> I don't think they buried him upside down and they, they just did it because they didn't have to carry him around. So I think that's where that tradition comes from, but I and think that, there are better ways than to do. I think so. <laughs> I, I think so. I, there, there are probably better ways. But that, yeah. it's funny because I, I thought about that. I thought about it a lot. I actually, Char and I, we we did that um, a few years back, and I wish I never had because I wish we had never moved to the house we're in now. There's a long story. Oh, I won't God. talk about that. But um, you know, it, it was funny because at the time, of course, I've got a degree. I, you know, now I said I, was, I studied. Spanish and 
theology, and I did. Now, my degree ended up being philosophy and theology, but um, so I, I do a lot of thinking. Right. <laughs> and of course, I've been in ministry and catechesis and all of that, so I've done a lot of thinking about uh, St. Joseph and devotion to saints, but also as we near the time where we're trying to sell our house post-Katrina, and someone had recommended doing this St. Joseph tradition thing where you bury the statue, and I thought, well, that's really superstitious. You know, let me look into this. And I read a book. I read a couple of books actually about it. And in the end, this is what I kind of concluded, is that, you know, sometimes things that would appear outwardly to be superstitious might, in fact, those actions might, in fact, be the first time that we actually put our brains in check and take a step out in faith that we never would have done otherwise. Right. And yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think that when we do that, when we actually do step out in faith, things happen. And so whether I'm not going to say you know superstition or not, I do think that in general, especially when you have real estate agents handing out or selling these St. Joseph statues, that's obviously I think superstitious, but I think that that first of all God looks at the heart and that there are times, there are folks, there are times when uh, it may be the first time that those people have ever really stepped out in faith in this kind of way, saying, hey, I need your help, and I need it, like, now, here. And, and maybe that's what they needed. And that, that maybe That little connection. That's right. And St. Mm-hmm. Joseph, the, the, the man, the human, the man who actually held Christ in his mm-hmm. arms and who had Jesus standing beside him as he worked day by day, um, is, to me, in my mind at least, the, the perfect man for the job. Yeah. <laughs> the man of faith, absolutely, the man of faith. Now, Evan, I want to ask you this, too. Um, every time I go to a St. Joseph altar, at least down here, I get sent away with a goodie bag. Oh, the goodie bag. What is that's, that all that's, about? That's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> After you've looked at all the beautiful things on the altar, you know, and wanted to eat everything, but you don't, it's just for viewing, um, when you leave, they hand you a little goodie bag. But usually a tiny little brown bag, um, and in it is a holy card, sometimes a medal, a um, couple of cookies, little anise cookies, a little piece of bread, and a lucky bean, which is the best part. At least when I was a kid, that was the best part. Um, and the lucky bean is a is a dried fava bean, and the the symbolism there is that during that famine, that's what the people ate, and that was really food for the animals. And I've tried to cook fava beans, and they're not good. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> so, I don't know how they got by eating those because they don't cook up well at all. Uh-uh. Um, and these are the brown ones that you find on the altar. I think you can get green ones that will are much more tender and will cook and be kind of tasty. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, the lucky bean, if you take your bean and put it in your pantry, you should always have food. And if you put it in your wallet, you'll always have money. So that's just a little. It's just a little reminder. Of so, so you, you really, you really, Joseph. you really should have two beans then, one in your pantry that's and right. one in your wallet. You need two. <laughs> Leave one home, one goes in the wallet. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's that's one of the things too. You know, the 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 lucky bean, and, and you hear about that. That's, uh, but you know, I, I still I, I I stand by my. Um, uh, the comment I made earlier, I think that a lot of times it's, it's sometimes it takes those physical kind of things for us to put our faith where it needs to be, and uh, right. and God can certainly work 
whatever miracle he wants to work. So that's a, that's a good thing. And, and the lucky beans are all blessed. So when you, when you leave an altar with your little goodie bag, your, your bean has been blessed. Which means it's a sacramental. It's a, it's, that's right. It's a sacramental. That's right. Yes. And so you shouldn't just throw it away or whatever. It should be um, uh, at least kept honorably. Right. Or if, if thrown out, it should be buried or something. You can bury them. You can so, bury them in the corners of your yard. Yeah, hey. Do that. They bury metals. And, That's right. Uh, it's kind of a protection. That's right. Now, the, 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 the story behind the, the virtual St. Joseph altar, this is like your, your uh, project here, right? Your baby, right. in a way, right. online. You started this virtual St. Joseph altar, and goodness gracious, it's been like, what, 12 years? Yep. Oh, this my is, yeah, goodness. Yeah, 1999. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. And the, the URL address is thinkevan.com slash St. Joseph. Is there another URL that, that'll take you there? Um, no, that's it. I should get a regular, but I don't have one. <laughs> but that's great. That's great. But it gets and, you there. And, of course, I will um, put a link in the really show notes. It's really grown. It's really grown a lot in the, since 1999. I mean, the, you know, the first couple of years I had a couple hundred people. That was it. And now last year there were 7,000 visitors. Wow. wow. That's amazing. That, that, that's amazing. That is amazing. And yeah. it's, it's, it's really cool because, I mean, I'm looking at the, at the site right now, and you have a lot of information here about the altar. I love, I love how you kind of go through and show, like, the different parts of the altar, you know, like this 3D virtual St. Joseph altar, which is just so cool. I mean, you get to see it kind of up close and personal. That's great. But you've got the history. You've got the prayers. You've got photos. Uh, you can uh, make an offering or have prayer requests. Uh, you have lots and lots of information here. I think anybody who's interested in devotion, period, to St. Joseph would benefit from going to this site. I hope so. <laughs> that was the idea. Um, the The craft pages are fun, too. I, I put together a, um, with one of my daughters, actually drew the pictures. It's a little color and cut uh, mini altar, and I've had lots of um, uh, people just love that. They do oh, it with their cool. kids, they do it with their religion classes, and that's a lot of fun. That uh, is cool. All there, too. Um, last year, I started um, the, the, the virtual altar also has a blog connected to it just to kind of update people and keep them, you know, keep St. Joseph in mind. Um, I did a uh, blog fest where people could share their altar, their St. Joseph altar. And I, I tried to, you know, stress that it didn't have to be something big. It could just be something small, but it would be your St. Joseph altar. And so I had several people join in and uh, share their little altars with me and put them all on the website. Uh, some people did nice things where they collected canned goods and put them, you know, all around St. Joseph, and they took them to a food pantry. So that was their way to do an altar. So I think I was trying to stress that even though there there is a, a tradition behind it, you really can do your own thing. You know, you can make it your tradition. Right. You don't have to. There are no set rules. So. And uh, you also have some recipes on the site. Yes, I do. <laughs> Just a handful, handful of recipes. You know, if it's Italian and it doesn't have meat, it's good to go <laughs> it's good to go that's right it's good to go this is great this is great this is fantastic well goodness well thank you so much evan i thank you so much for being on the show 
Uh, any last words about St. Joseph or about uh, what you do? Uh, well, I, uh, I'm a homeschooling mom of six, and um, before that I was in advertising uh, as an art director, and I kind of took that with me and used that to put together this virtual altar. So I have, I'm an uh, art director and kind of still used in that a little bit. Um, yeah. That's it. That's me. <laughs> That's you? <laughs> well, you rock, man. I'm telling you what. You rock. This is awesome. This is some okay. great stuff. So if anybody wants to go check out the virtual St. Joseph altar, they can go to thinkevan.com. And Evan is E-V-A-N-N. Thinkevan.com slash St. Joseph. And, of course, if you go to thinkevan.com, you get to see all the other great things that Evan is doing. She's got the Homeschool Goodies blog. She's also got her graphic designer uh, uh, site there, link there, so you can check that out too. She's, I mean, fantastic. I have to uh, say this, it's not a, a business thing, but I have looked at your site, and I, I absolutely love your work. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> it's wonderful, wonderful. So uh, I will definitely link to all of this in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. And again, Evan, thank you so much for being here I, I certainly hope that when you're in New Orleans someday, visiting family or something, that uh, you'll give me a ring and we can get together and do something fun like eat. Eat. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, thank you. God bless. All right. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Hi, I'm Junie. And I'm Ree. And, and this is Mary in the, the kitchen, kitchen with Sarah Reinhardt. <laughs> I just love St. Joseph, don't you? He is a man's man. He also reminds me that Jesus was a real guy, that he didn't just walk around with a halo and no real purpose. Joseph was a worker. He taught his son a trade. He taught Jesus right from wrong and how to treat people. He was the male role model Jesus looked up to, the man of the house. Joseph probably didn't spend a lot of time in the kitchen. I'm pretty sure there was no foodie to him. Even so, I find myself learning a lot from Joseph when I'm in my kitchen. For one thing, he was the guy Mary was cooking for. A lot of times, when my kids protest whatever it is I've made for dinner, I remind them that they are not the ones I'm cooking for. I'm cooking for my husband. I don't intend this to be rude to my children, but it helps me to let their criticisms, which some days are many, to roll off my back. It also reminds me that cooking is an act of love. Mary loved Joseph, and just as she leads us to her son, she also, I believe, leads us to her husband. He kept them safe. He laughed with them. He snuggled the holy infant, pulled splinters, taught his trade. He was the handyman around the house, and maybe he was also the one in charge of smashing large, scary spiders. Though the feast day is now past, I encourage you to turn to Joseph with your intentions. If it feels awkward, ask Mary to help you. She'll pause in her kitchen preparations, dust her hands on her apron, 
and give you a big hug before telling you the delightful tales of Joseph as a man and as a living model for each of us. Thank you so much, Sarah. That was awesome, of course. And, uh, you know, you can find more of Sarah Reinhardt over at SnoringScholar.com. Hi, this is Danielle Bean, Editorial Director of Faith and Family, with some great news for Catholic moms. We're planning a special day just for you, the moms who do everything for everybody. This time, we want to do something special for you. All you need to do is show up at our first ever Faith and Family Moms Day Away, featuring talks by Rachel Balducci, Jennifer Fulweiler, and me. But more than that, you'll enjoy spiritual refreshment with other moms just like you. I can't wait to see you there. Come be spiritually pampered at Faith and Family's Moms Day Away on Saturday, April 2nd at St. Patrick's Parish in Stoneham, Massachusetts. This Moms-only Day Away is designed for Catholic mothers to experience prayer, wisdom, and the joy of community. Not to mention, someone else is cooking for you that day. Tickets are $40. Get yours online at faithandfamily.eventbrite.com or get the link from Faith and Family's page on Facebook or faithandfamilylive.com. We're wrapping up the show right now, and I want to invite you, if you have not left feedback yet for The Catholic Foodie, you can go to catholicfoodie.com, of course, and uh, visit the show notes here for this particular episode or any of the previous episodes, and always leave feedback in the form of a comment there at catholicfoodie.com. Of course, you can also give us a call. I love voice feedback. I love to play your feedback here on the show, so I invite you to do that. You can uh, give me a call at 985 985- 6354974985635 that is basically a uh, an answering machine sort of thing uh, although it's not a machine it's uh, answering service it'll uh, give you a little intro uh, message saying hey you contacted the catholic foodie go ahead and leave a message and uh, what that allows me to do is to take the recording of your comment and play it on the show. So 985-635-4974. I'd love to hear from you about Lent, maybe. Uh, Lent, prayer, what's going on in your kitchen, plans for Easter, anything like that. Any question you may have also for the Catholic Foodie, feel free to leave voice feedback. 985-635-4974. You can also reach me by email at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. I want to remind you also that we do have Catholic Foodie Coffee available. It is the morning offering blend, and you can find out more about that by going to catholicfoodie.com slash coffee. You can actually place an order right there online. Hand-roasted specialty coffee, folks. Good stuff. catholicfoodie.com slash coffee. Also, I want to give a special plug to Blueberry Moon Photography. This is uh, Char's cousin, Rhonda Nolan Levy, uh, her uh, photography business. She's a, a, a incredible, very artistic uh, photographer. We had a shoot, a photo shoot for our children recently. If you want to see the work of Blueberry Moon Photography, just go to Facebook. Go to um, Facebook.com/slash/CatholicFoodie, and you will see some of the pictures there and a link, of course, to her site, Blueberry Moon Photography. Also, our good friend Kate Daniluk at MakingMusicPlayingTwice.com has a page up on her site right now uh, for Lenten activities and also a recipe for hot cross buns. They even have some videos there to kind of walk you through some of the Lenten activities for children. 
great stuff. So go visit Kate over at Making Music Praying Twice, and I'm going to put a direct link to the activities page in the show notes for this episode over at catholicfoodie.com. Uh, don't forget SQPN. For all things Catholic media, sqpn.com. Go visit Father Roderick and the gang over at Catholic, um, sqpn.com. And uh, until next time, bon appétit.